Good evening. This is Talking Sports with Evan. I'm Evan Allison, and thank you so much for tuning in to the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for everything, uh, watching the live stream, listening to the podcast at a later date and time, anywhere podcasts are found. I do, as I mentioned, appreciate it. And a few things to talk about, mostly going to be Packer-related. The Packers, in a New York minute, unfortunately fell to the New York football Giants on Monday night. Um, not really a fun game. The, the Packers, they, they, they showed a lot of things, concerns we had for them back in October in this loss to the Giants, in this Monday night loss to the Giants, 24-22, snapping their three-game winning streak where they beat Justin Herbert, the Detroit Lions, and the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes. They looked really good doing it, too, during their three games. And I talked about it last week. I was hoping it wouldn't be this week, but unfortunately, I knew there was another stinker coming and unfortunately, it came on national TV against the New York Giants. So I'm going to be discussing that game, giving my reasons, my concerns, uh, what I didn't like about that game. I'm also going to preview the Packers' upcoming game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they were already shorthanded already, and now they're even more shorthanded the way it's looking right now. The latest news today, he's going to try to play through it, but A.J. Dillon apparently has a broken thumb, suffered in the Monday night loss to the Giants. So, not sure exactly what impact that's going to have in the running game because we don't know if Aaron Jones is going to play or not. You got Patrick Taylor, who doesn't know how to run out of bounds in key situations, and you have a former Miami Dolphin running back, if Dylan and Jones can't go, and I'm sure they'll have another back off the practice squad, they're bring somebody up to the practice, somebody to the practice squad, and then play him this week. So, 24-22 loss to the Giants, and there's a few areas that I'm not exactly thrilled about. Jordan Love didn't play his best game. I will be. Will I will gladly admit that Jordan Love did not play his best game, especially early in the game. I think in the second half, especially the fourth quarter, I think he was much better. But Jordan Love did not play his best game. And I don't know if it was the, the winds of the Meadowlands or what it was, but he just wasn't having his best game. And I bring up the, the winds because on rewatch on the All-22 film and the angles, the wind looked like it was affecting the ball a little bit more than what we saw on TV uh, when the ball was in the air. So maybe some of the issues throwing the ball, pushing it downfield, was the issue with the wind, maybe. Um, but other, other than that, Love just has to be more – he has to go back to what he did the last three games, be very decisive with the football and get the football where it needs to go. 
it looked like he was uncomfortable with the pass rush of the Giants as well. And he saw a couple of tough pass rushes with Kansas City, who loves the blitz. Uh, but for some reason, with the the Giants, he didn't adjust well to the blitz. And I don't know if that was him or the play calling or what it exactly was. And then speaking of the play calling, Matt LaFleur, I didn't like his game plan. I did not like Matt LaFleur's game plan. He didn't have Christian Watson, didn't have Aaron Jones, and it was almost like he went back into, instead of going into his bag, which he had been the last three games, it's like LaFleur went back to October when we had the, the training wheels on Jordan Love and went back to calling games like that. The passes were short around the line of scrimmage, didn't really try to challenge the middle of the field, and if I see one more end around, I'm going to lose my mind. They had a couple great plays on end around, one scored a touchdown, but then they went to the well one too many times, constantly running the jet sweep, end around, reverse, whatever you want to call it, whatever they did. And then at one point, they tried a double reverse pass, and it was blown up before it could even go anywhere. And I don't know how Jordan Love got the ball away, but it was quite surprising to me on that one. But again, I did not like the play calling. Not really so much the play calling. I didn't like the game plan that Matt LaFleur put out there for Jordan Love. He didn't do anything to help his quarterback who was clearly struggling. And here's what I mean by that. So, play action. And, uh, yeah, so play action, when they ran play action, they they, they ran play action, uh, drop back. He had eight attempts in the play in play action. You know, you fake the handoff, and then you, you push it down the field. He was 7 of 8 for 73 yards, completed 87% of his passes, averaged 9.1 yards per attempt. When they ran no play action, they threw... 31 passes with no play action. He went 18 of 31, 58% passing, 145 yards, a touchdown, an interception, and 4.7 yards per attempt. I don't understand why they went away from the play action. But non-play action, they threw the ball 31 times and completed 58% of his passes. His offensive efficiency out of play action he had a pro football focus grade of 64. No play action, 58. He ended the day 25 of 39, completing 64% of his throws, passing for 218 yards. He also had four six on screen plays for five yards. Came out to 218 yards total through the air for Jordan Love. Play action has been working. It's been working with love to get the ball out, the defense has been biting, and they completely went away from it against the Giants. He, he had a lot more plays out of play action against the Chiefs, a bunch more against the, the Lions, and a bunch against the, the Chargers. When Jordan Love plays out of play action, things go well. But they're having him basically be a sitting duck back there not throwing the ball out of play action, and you're putting pressure on love that you don't need to put. Again, I know it's a small sample size, 
but with play action, 87% of his passes completed. Without it, 58% of his passes completed. That's a big gap. And again, 73 yards on eight attempts through play action, 145 yards on 31 attempts without it. Again, the game plan. Not a fan of the game plan that Matt LaFleur instilled against the New York Giants. And the other issue I had was the running game. And Patrick Taylor was running the ball well against the Giants. Dylan was running the ball hard against the Giants. But I, I, I feel you didn't run the ball enough. They're, they don't they don't play well against the run. I don't think you ran the ball just you know between the tackles enough. I think you tried to do too much outside stuff with reverses and jet sweeps and have Jaden Reed run the ball a lot instead of giving the ball to your Patrick Taylor, your your A.J. Dillon, or even your your Drake. You signed them, you put them on your practice squad, you caught them up for this game, but I don't remember him getting a touch at all during the game. So that that is one of my biggest concerns, not concerns, my biggest issue in the game against the Giants, and I kind of point the finger on one of the biggest reasons why they fell to the Giants 24-22 and why they didn't do as well as we had hoped. And go back to running the ball, you 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 were never down by more than one possession in the second half. You could have ran the ball. And then that final sequence where you did score the touchdown that put you gave you the lead with a minute something to go. But you 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 had the ball in the red zone in, in the in goal to goal situation, and you're trying to score too quick. You throw the ball. I think it was what three times in a row. You don't you ran the ball on first down. Yeah, you ran the ball on first down, forced him to call a timeout. You passed the ball on second down. It was incomplete in the end zone. That should have been a touchdown. Not really going to get into that too much, but it should have been a touchdown. And then the third pass you throw, it's a touchdown to Malik Keith, who was able to get the ball over the plane on a nice sideline route there. You didn't run a lot of time off the clock. And back to that play, because I saw on social media, um, people saying that uh, Jaden Reed was wide open. How did Love miss him? He Love made the right read. If he would have waited for Jaden Reed to break, break open, he would have been sacked or hit as he threw, and it would not have been a touchdown. It was a hot route. The Giants were sending heavy pressure. It had to be catch the ball, get the ball out. And the, the read for that pressure was Malik Keith at the sideline. But unfortunately, they left too much time on the clock because when you have a Joe Barry as your coordinator, no lead is safe. And again, we got people saying that, you know, the defense actually played pretty well. They didn't... Uh, they didn't allow the Giants to score a lot of points. The offense should have scored more points. The special teams had a muffed punt that ended up in a touchdown, putting the defense in the short field. So we can't really blame the defense. Well, yes, you can. Yes, you can definitely blame the defense. And you have a quarterback who is making, what, his third or fourth career start, who's been sacked a ton in his start. 
and you send very little pressure against him. I'm going to give me one second. I'm going to pull up the Giants pro football focus stats if I can. Oh, here we go. Well, oh, here we go. New York Giants. Tommy DeVito. Oh, just bear with me. I'm sorry. Disclosure, I'm still getting used to navigating the Pro Football Focus site. Um, so as I said, bear with me. Here we go. Let's look at Tommy DeVito. Or Danny DeVito, as I jokingly called him, too. They blitzed him a total of nine times. Now, when they did blitz him, fair enough. He was eight of nine, 79 yards. They got it, They only got him under pressure thir- uh, eight times, eight passing attempts, 13 dropbacks. He was five of eight for 37 yards. When he was kept clean, he was 12 of 13 for 121 yards. I, they should they should have attacked the quarterback a little bit more. And yes, he made them yes he made them pay, but it was still very disappointing. And you, you look at the Vito's chart breakdown. Majority of his passes were outside, mostly outside right. He was three for three outside right between ten and twenty yards. Four or five between zero and ten. Two for two at the line of scrimmage. He was three for three in the middle between zero and 10. And other than that, he was one of one, one of one, zero of one, one of two, one of one, one of one, going outside left in between the numbers. So most of his passes are going to the right. So you knew on that final drive, he was likely looking to the right. But Joe Barry, or Joe Barry Carroll, as some in Milwaukee area like to call him, he played too soft to coverage. Man coverage or not, he played too soft and allowed the Giants to he played the Giants like they needed a touchdown to tie or win the game instead of that they needed a field goal to tie or win the game. Very annoying there. And then I love Keyshawn Nixon. I think he's a heck of a player. Good returner, even with the mop, bust his butt out there on the field week in and week out. And he took ownership for his role in this game. But why, why are we, why are we having Keyshawn Nixon play man coverage in that situation? He's not a good man coverage corner. He's just not. He got beat all game long from Robinson but yet you're still playing him in man coverage. Don't understand it. And then special teams, you had a missed field goal and a muffed punt that then ended up being a fumble because Nixon tried to pick it back up and then he lost it again and the Giants recovered and they scored a touchdown. And you can really look at it and say that was a turning point of the game right there is when the Giants scored the touchdown after the Packers stopped them to force a punt then you had a muffed punt, and the Giants score a touchdown, get their first lead of the game, and now the Packers are playing from catch-up, uh, trying to play catch-up the rest of the way. 
there is no rhythm. There is no urgency. And it's almost like the Packers thought they were just going to walk onto the field and get the W. And for me, I put that on coaching. The coaching did not have them prepared to play the Giants. They didn't have them prepared. And again, I put that on coaching. I put that on the floor. I put that on Joe Barry. And unfortunately, it's looking like we're going to be stuck with Joe Barry once again because all I'm seeing for some people is, oh, the defense is playing great. The defense is playing outstanding. No, they're not. They give up a ton of yards. They just don't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, They basically play bend, don't break. And they hope the other team's going to make mistakes and they don't make a lot of mistakes. That's what they hope for. But ultimately, this is a game they needed Quay Walker, because he put up a put Walker as a spy on DeVito when DeVito started to run the football a little bit. But unfortunately, he was unavailable because of a shoulder injury. Did return to practice today. But I digress. So this is Talking Sports with Evan. Been recapping the to reset. I've been recapping uh, the Packers versus Giants, talking about my biggest issues with that game. Once again, I put it squarely on the guys wearing the headsets. Not me. I'm not on the coaching staff, but you're Matt LaFleur and you're Joe Barry. That's who I put it on. I point the finger to them. And I like Matt LaFleur. I think he's a fine football coach. There's certain things that he does. That grind, drives me crazy. You had a, a a game plan that's been working the last three, four weeks, and you completely go away from everything that was working over the last three to four weeks, and you go back to what you were doing in October. And I get you didn't have Christian Watts in this game, but it's been this way with LaFleur pretty much since day one. Things are working. Things are going fine. Now, all of a sudden, let's go to uh, doing things that wasn't working. Let's see if they work this time. If they didn't work then, it's not going to work now. Keep doing what was working. All I got to say. So this week, they get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by quarterback Baker Mayfield, and the defense led by middle linebacker uh, David and Via and Barrett. And Britt, those guys are pretty much the the people you got to be really worried about on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. David is a very good middle linebacker. Britt has been playing well lately. Villa is one of the best nose tackles in the NFL. And Barrett's been a very good edge rusher this season. Outside of that, the defense. Oh, and then Winfield Jr. I'm sorry. I almost forgot about Winfield Jr. He's one of the top safety. He's the top safety in all of football, according to Pro Football Focus. Outside of that, there are yards to be had against Tampa Bay. But how are you going to get those yards is the question. Thankfully, Jaden Reed's injury was an ankle injury. It's not the concussion that he was being evaluated for. Um, Turns out it was an ankle injury, and he did return to practice the last couple days. I don't see any reason why he doesn't play. Dontravian Wicks, ankle injury. Returned to practice today. Allegedly, it's a high ankle sprain. Is concerning about his availability there. But you do have Heath, who had a pretty good game in his place uh, after Wicks got out with the injury. And obviously, you got Romeo Dobbs. And I hope they 
get Romeo Dobbs and Tucker Craft more involved in the offense this week. Uh, obviously, continue to feed Jaden Reed the football any way you possibly can. If Aaron Jones doesn't play and Dylan's limited by a thumb, things could get very interesting because you got to try to establish a running game, running into Via and David in the middle with a running back with a broken thumb and Patrick Taylor, who is a human boomerang. You throw him out, he comes back. You throw him away, he comes back. You throw him away, he comes back. Patrick Taylor's a human boomerang. Obviously, they don't see a lot of upside for him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been released, signed, released, signed, released, signed as often as he has been this year. But that's the running game you're trying to use against a pretty good Tampa Bay run defense. Or I should say decent Tampa Bay run defense. you got to get the run game going so you can get the play action going so Jordan loves more, looks more comfortable throwing the football. That's going to be the key on offense. And I think Dobbs and Kraft can be huge on those uh, those play-action plays, especially Kraft in the, in the flat or over the middle. I, I like Tucker Kraft. He is a gamer. He's not afraid to get his ner- nose dirty. He's not afraid to put his helmet in there. And he's tough to bring down in the open field because he runs extremely hard. Got to love that jackrabbit. Protect Jordan Love. Get the ball out. Do some play-action. Is going to be the key. And then push the ball down the field a little bit. Don't play this game like it's October again. That's what the Packers need to do offensively. And defensively, you got Baker Mayfield and White, a tailback. And you got two really good receivers in Goodwin and Evans. You're hoping that Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes are able to play. So you're not totally depending on Valentine, Valentine, and Nixon being the corners to have to try to cover Evans and Goodwin. You you got to hope Alexander and Stokes are back, so you got better depth and better speed back there. And I tip my hat to Valentine. He's been playing his butt off as a rookie. Tip my hat to Valentine. Not expecting any of this from him, but he's busting his butt. He's just obviously limited. But that's who the Packers are stuck with right now. The big thing is, is Mayfield can run around like you just saw with DeVito. We've seen him do it against the Packers. But we also know Baker Mayfield can throw interceptions. And he's going to put some balls out there that are interceptable. And you have to make him pay. Get pressure on him. They have very good tackles in in uh, whiffs at left tackle and Godecki at right tackle, but their interior is a little weak. Steiny, Hainsley, and Munch are not the best of the bunch. So I think you could get some pressure there with Clark, Wyatt, and Slayton, and maybe even some Rashawn Gary uh, and Preston Smith rushing from the inside a little bit too. And maybe try to rush some Campbell or Walker or McDuffie as well to try to get some pressure up the middle and don't allow Mayfield lanes to escape. It's supposed to be about 39 and overcast at kickoff on Sunday. Packers are three and a half point favorites over Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, not a very good team. Packers, not a very good team. 
question is who's going to have the better day. And I'm going to predict the Packers are going to win. They're going to find a way to win. They're going to go back to what was working. They're going to go back to what was working um, over the three-game winning streak, and they're going to force Tampa Bay to make mistakes, which Baker Mayfield uh, has a turnover-worthy play 3.23% of the time, and his passing rating under pressure is 75.6, but clean, he's 95.7. So you got to get some pressure on, on Baker in this game. But like I said, I suspect the Packers are going to win, even with the injuries that they have. I still think the Packers will get this W. It's going to be an ugly game, kind of like what we just saw with the Giants, but I think the Packers get the victory. So with that, this has been Talking Sports with Evan. Find me on Twitter or X, whatever you prefer to call it, at Evan Witt Sports. Or you can find me on Facebook, Talking Sports with Evan. Or on YouTube, Evan Wittallison. Bring you a new show every Thursday night. Might throw some shows in there during the week from time to time. But overall, bring you a new show each and every Thursday night while I recap how the Packers did, hopefully talking about a Packer victory next week, and preview the upcoming game for the Packers and also talk about other stuff going on in the wide world of sports, such as the Badger volleyball team is getting ready, if they haven't already, to playing Texas in the Final Four in women's volleyball. Should be a great matchup. I highly recommend that you watch the women's Final Four in volleyball tonight, and then the national championship game on Saturday, or I mean Sunday afternoon, I think it is, regardless of who's playing. Hopefully it's the Badgers, but regardless of who's playing, check it out. Volleyball is a fun, exciting sport to watch and follow. This has been Talking Sports with Evan. I will get back at you next week, and hopefully talking about another Packer victory, preferably. Have a great rest of your night, everybody.